Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Board Gaming Doctor. My name is Phil, and I'll be your Board Game Doctor today. In this episode, I go through my 20 top games of all time. And I previously recorded my top 60 through 21st games, but as a recap to what that entailed, I basically took all the games that I've rated 8 out of 10 on Board Game Geek and put them through PubMeeple to see what games ranked where. These are games that I all really enjoy, but for the sake of ranking them in order, I you know present you this list. Uh, if you don't know me at all, I have regularly podcast for the past year or so, and I really enjoy medium to heavy Euro games. I, I do enjoy games of all types, but I have a predilection for those, especially for Uwe Rosenberg games. And so you might find this list a little bit heavy in the Rosenberg side of things, but that is what it is. And I primarily use the criterion of what game would I rather pull out and play with my friends or solo at the moment, at the moment that I made this list. And so I naturally want to have games that play longer and are a little bit more strategic and complex in nature versus some of the lighter games that I really do enjoy, but would rather use them as more filler type games or not, you know, play them if I had the choice between them and some of these games. And so you might find some of the lighter games that I enjoy the most on the previous video. I think all the games here are going to be pretty heavy, except for maybe one or two. And before we get into the top 20 list, I realized that I left off a important game to me that I do rank 8 out of 10, but was not in the list before, and that's La Grania. Uh, this game is a farming-themed game that is kind of Uwe Rosenberg adjacent. And in this game, you have multi-use cards that you're building out a farm tableau with and using them to fulfill orders to deliver to some side markets here. And it's kind of a race to get some of these bonuses before other people make deliveries there too, as well as a little bit of area control to getting points at the end of the game through having the majority, uh, I guess more area majority, of, of playing... Uh, fulfilling orders from your multi-use cards uh, to the middle of the board. And so this game is a lot of fun. I do prefer some of the more uh, uh, Rosenberg-style games myself. And so I think because of the adjacency to theme and mechanism and gameplay, I do prefer some of those games a little bit more. I would rather pull them out. Uh, I do not own a physical copy of La Grania, but I have played it on Board Game Arena, and I did cover El Burro, the uh, sequel to this game, on the podcast when it was on Kickstarter months ago, and so you can go out and check that for yourself, but otherwise this game is really fun and deserves to be somewhere on this list in the top 60 somewhere. But we're going to start with my number 20, and that's going to be Brass Lancashire. Uh, I include Brass Birmingham here as well. But uh, for the sake of, of you know, combining these two very similar games, I, I'm going to put Lancashire up ahead because I have played this game more. I'm hoping to play Lan uh, Brass Birmingham a little bit more in the future, but in this game, I you know, really enjoy how smooth the gameplay is when it comes to card play. The, you, know, you have a hand of cards and a certain number of actions that you can do, you know, two, two actions per round, but a, a few different actions types of actions that you can take. And essentially you're building out routes on a shared map of 
the United Kingdom or, or England in particular, and hoping to utilize resources and buildings and, and routes that other people have taken to your advantage to gain the most uh, money and points in at the end of the game. And so really clean gameplay. It's no um, mystery why this game is so highly regarded, and especially Birmingham as being the number one game of all time. But uh, I'm hoping to play that version of this more, uh, play Birmingham more if it becomes a little bit easier and more available digitally. I think it would make for a really fun game to dive into strategically. But that's my number 20 is the Brass games, especially Lancashire. Number 19 is going to be Ediwa. Uh, Pardon the pictures here. I did uh, record without sound ahead of time, and so I'm re-recording this. But Ediwa is the Rosenberg game from 2022 that I felt like wasn't as what well and widely regarded and received as it should have been. <clears throat> this game left a really good impression on me, uh, not just for the the streamlined worker placement and tableau building, um, but the thematic integration with these mechanisms as well as as the solo campaign or the solo versions of uh, or I guess missions or or challenges per se. Uh, that's what really stood out to this game for me. I would regard this game as a better solo game than a multiplayer game, although I did bring this out in a multiplayer scene, and it was a lot of fun. And so this game, I think, is underrated. Uh, it's it's a really straightforward Rosenberg game with really a really cool and unique theme and really neat uh, thematic integrations with the systems of the game. And so number 19 for me, for now is Ediwa. 18 is going to be Terraforming Mars. Uh, this game is the quintessential uh, card-based uh, tableau builder with a, a central board that everyone is vying for and, and building out. And so, you know, it, it's it's just a really good game. Uh, I think it's the archetype that a lot of my favorite games have based themselves off of, like Wingspan or... Um, Ark Nova, you know, to some extents. And this, uh, I, I think this game would go a little bit higher on my list if I've had a, a better chance to play it. I know that they, there is an app for this game. I have the app, but I was not a fan of how the asynchronous nature of it played out, and so I was deterred from playing it more. But I think now that this game is being developed on developed on Board Game Arena my repetitions will increase and I think I will start to enjoy this game even more as I start to understand the cards a little bit better. But that is, it's a really fun game nevertheless and my number uh, 18. 17 for me is going to be Fields of Arla. Uh, this game is an Uwe Rosenberg game for one to two players. Uh, it is a big box worker placement game with a lot of different worker placement. It's unique in the fact that you can go in one season, one round of the game on certain uh, a certain side of the board and play those actions, and the other side in the next round of another season is completely different. And so that <clears throat> the flow of the game is feels unique. This game, I think, can be regarded by some as being very repetitive, especially as you start to dive into the strategy of it. I feel like there are certain threads of gameplay that one should pursue, because the 
amount of buildings that are provided in this game at the setup, uh, there's very little variation in them. And so it, it can feel very chess-like in that nature, which a lot of Rosenberg games are. And I think that's where the, how neat this game is. And that, and that's where the complexity lies is as you start to understand these strategies even more, uh, new strategies emerge to, uh, supersede the previously thought, uh, good and efficient strategies of before all the while doing something that I love, which is farming, you know, having a farming simulator and doing so combining different modules of gameplay that feel thematic to the, the game itself as it is autobiographical of Rosenberg's family heritage. And yeah, it's just a, a beautiful game. And I'm really excited to play the expansion, the tea and trade expansion that just had a reprint and I obtained not too long ago. So Fields of Arl uh, is definitely a favorite of mine, and that is number uh, 17. Number 16 for me is Lisboa. This is my favorite Vital Acerda game. And in this game, you're thematically rebuilding the city of Lisboa by placing uh, cities onto the, uh, the shared board here in public buildings as well. Uh, if you've recently played Weather Machine, I feel like there's, like, this is the the nexus of how you get gain a lot of points in this game. But in addition to that, I really like the streamlined nature of playing your turn, which is a you have a hand of cards and you either slot a card on the top or bottom. And so it's pretty straightforward of how to activate your turn. But then the turns become complex, of course, where you interact with different parts of this board, whether it's you know through the political actions here or through this uh, clergy space as well or obtaining decrees to give you personal objectives as well. It does a, a lot of cool things, and it mixes a lot of mechanisms together, which Lacerda games often do, but I like the theme of this game more, and I felt like it just worked really well together. And so for that, for those reasons, this game is my favorite Lacerda game, and it's always worth a play, in my opinion. So that's my number 16, Lisboa. 15 for me is going to be A Feast for Odin, now this game is, as as you might know, higher on many, many other people's lists as their favorite either game of all time or their favorite Ro uh, Rosenberg game of all time. It isn't for me, uh, I think because of the fact that I've really only played the base game. I do own the expansion, and I think the expansion either tweaks or fixes a lot of things to make the strategy of this game come alive even more. But the repetitive nature of going to, you know, even though the worker placement spots of this game are daunting, and perhaps the most of any game that I've seen uh, out of the games that I've played and I know of, the, the pursuits that you have in the base game are very straightforward, you know, and the strategies are, are pretty repetitious. And so I, I feel like they're is a lack of variability in this game. Like the occupation cards don't do enough for me to make it feel too different from game to game. It is a difficult game, and so I have played this game multiple times, I think over 50 games <laughs> already, because it's still fun. And obviously it's, you know, it's high on my list, and so I do enjoy playing it. But I, I don't have it in my top 10 or top 5, because I do feel like there is something lacking, which... Unfortunately, I, I think that void is filled with the expansion, and I wish that was 
on Board Game Arena, honestly. So everyone could enjoy that expansion as well. But this game is really fun, and I it's it's more of a comfort game to me than something that I really have, you know, uh, studied out. And I hope to study this game a little bit more because I know there's a lot more that I can learn from it. And so this game is, is just is just really good. So A Feast for Odin is my number 15. 14 for me, in, in the last episode, my 60 through 21, or I, pardon, the, uh, the end of the year special that I did with Jacob, uh, it was a podcast only. I talked about games that were new to me this year that were my favorite. This is one that I regretfully left out. This game was uh, really impressionable to me. Uh, this is Roads and Boats, a splatter game from 1999. This game embodies what I feel like is are some of the things that I enjoy the most from old real-time strategy games like Age of Empires, which was the building out of your city and upgrading your technology and building the logistic nature of those games. And, I mean, this game doesn't have the other 4X uh, portions of it, like combat, etc., but but this game, I, I really enjoy how you build out a map. You start with essentially nothing, just a few resources here and there. And you place buildings, gather resources, and logistically transport them to uh, increase the board presence and, and the complexity of, of the routes that are developed in this game, <clears throat> as well as racing to uh, build the central wonder, which uh, acts as... Uh, the main scoring mechanism as well as the end game trigger. And so this game is just a really cool sandbox of a game that is just really, you know, complex and and logistical, which I really enjoy. And so out of all the splatter games that I've played so far, this is the one that has left the best impression to me. And there's one that I hope to continue to play even more. And that is Roads and Boats. My number 13 is going to be Caverna, the Cave Farmers. This includes the expansions uh, for the Forgotten Folk and the uh, Frantic Fiends expansions. But the base game is really good as well. It is a very much a mirror mechanically of my, well, one of my favorite games of all time. It's probably not much of a spoiler if you know who I am. But this game... Uh, tweaks that base mechanism a little bit more with just a bunch of tiles that are laid out in front of you, which creates the the air of less replayability because of everything that is available. You know, there, there isn't variety in the setup to these buildings, and so that brings it down a little bit of a notch to me, but this is fixed, and this game feels more unique with the, with the uh, expansions that are added. But even with the base game, which is playable on Board Game Arena, uh, I, I really do enjoy the nuances that this game provides as compared to its predecessor. And I hope to dive into the strategy of this game more and just to be, uh, have it be a game that I'm good at because it helps me be better at the other game, <laughs> which we'll talk about uh, soon, which is right here if you don't know. And so Caverna is, is one of my favorite games, and it's number 13 for me. Number 12 is going to be Barrage. I really enjoy this game. It's a very complex and heavy Euro game, which involves worker placement as well as building out and competing for spots 
in a central shared board. And it's how tight this game is, is what makes this game really fun and strategic for me. And what entices me to play this game more is that I feel like there is a shared objective to build dams and to progress up the uh, power track, which has increasing thresholds round to round. And so that adds a little bit more tension to the game. But I think you can pursue other strategies in this game as well and be competitive and not follow the prescribed uh, formula of just building out dams. And so that is something that I have heard of and I want to explore more. This game offers a lot of uh, replayability and competition, which I do enjoy. It's a game that I need to cover on the channel and podcast, but I will do that at some point and uh, can't wait to cover more of my 12th favorite game, which is Barrage. Number number 11 for me is going to be Through the Ages. This game, a, a new story of civilization. This game is a quintessential civilization-themed game that is primarily done through cards. It is more of an older school game, and so there's lots of action points, uh, long turns. Uh, they're not quick and snappy, but this game is so fun to play. Uh, as you start to understand the gameplay and the cards of this game, well, as soon you know, you understand the rules first, and then you start to understand the cards next, and the order in which they come out, especially if you mix them in with the expansion, create a different experience every time, different focuses on what you might pursue in this game, and you can anticipate what other players are going to do as well because you know the deck. Some cards are left out, and uh, when when you do play it with the expansion especially. And so this game uh, offers a strategic uh, competitive uh, niche that I really do enjoy all together in a theme that I uh, do enjoy. Number 10 for me is going to be Patchwork. This is the lightest game on my list, uh, or the highest lightest game on my list, but Patchwork is a game that, as you can see, I've played over 100 times. I play this game regularly with a friend and really enjoy how easy it is to play, but how hard it is to play well. <laughs> it consists of a lot of planning ahead and playing your tiles just right, uh, in addition to, yeah, so keeping track of your income and how much time you have left on the board and keeping track of what tiles are ahead of you every game. So there's endless replayability to the order in which these tiles come from, and uh, the fact that it is a two-player game <clears throat> really gets into the head-to-head -head nature that I do enjoy about some of these uh, bigger games. I, I do prefer them at two players because it's easier to not only keep track of the gameplay as it is, uh, cuts down on time, but also to kind of get into the head of your opponent is easier to do so if it's a two-player game. And this game is just really fun and easy to play uh, and easy to bring out to, with with people who prefer a little bit more of a, a lighter experience. But but yeah, it, it definitely is hard to play well, I think. And so I, I've really enjoyed playing Patchwork a lot. And I think... When I originally did this list, it was a little bit further down, but this is one change that I made because I think it does deserve, for me at least, to be high on the list and, in fact, in the top ten. Number nine is Earth. This is my second favorite game from this year, as you might have seen in uh, the episode of my top ten games from 2023 so far. 
but it, it embodies a lot of what I enjoy in games, and you might see hints of that theme uh, through the top 20 of my games. I really enjoy card play, especially if they're individualized cards with individual mechanisms and powers, uh, tableau building as well. This game also boasts simultaneous play, which makes a seemingly longer and more complex game feel shorter and breezier. But And, and this game is pretty, once again, easy to, I think, learn and teach, but hard to master as well. I'm so grateful that this game came out on Board Game Arena this year and have really dived and have a continuous game of this going on. I enjoy it so much. I think it, <clears throat> I don't think it's overrated. I think, in fact, it might be a little underrated because I think the rating should be higher. And this, uh, at the time of this recording, it did break the top 200. I think this game should be in the top 100, honestly. I think this game is solid enough and, and is widely accepted enough to deserve that spot. But that's just me. But I, I really do enjoy Earth and consider it my ninth greatest game of all time. Number eight is Hollertau. This is a Rosenberg game of farming in the Hollertau region. And this game feels unique because of a few things. One, the the community board of, uh, you know, you're kind of order fulfilling each round to increase the amount of workers that you have available in each game. <clears throat> and thus the progression of, of the game persists persists in that the way that you keep track of your resources and your farms as well as in addition to how these farms go up and down uh, from round to round and how fertile essentially they are and how much crop they yield is really unique and then finally the card play of this game is unique amongst Rosenberg games uh, this is I haven't reviewed this game yet but I can't wait to do so because you have a ton of different uh, cards in this game, most of them are, you know, fulfill at any time on your turn or, or otherwise, and and so you can uh, really get that combo nature <clears throat> of, of a kind of card play type of game in a heavy Euro experience. And so this game is just so fun to play. I don't know what the potential is for this game to be super competitive because of the random nature of these cards. But nonetheless, if I were to gauge games based off of strategic uh, complexity as well as fun, this definitely delivers in the fun regard as well as the complex Euro nature of it. And so I really do enjoy Hollertown, and that's my number eight. I guess I lied um, saying that Through the Ages, the story of civilization was my favorite civilization-themed game. I guess Mosaic is my number one uh, civilization-themed game. So this game was my favorite one from 2022. I own this game in person, and this does a lot of civilization-themed uh, gameplay with a shared map of the Earth, or at least the uh, ancient Earth. Uh, you have mostly area majority going on, not a lot of combat to be said. But the meat of this game is the quick and snappy turns that are taken from a bunch of different cards, right? And so you, you do have tableau building with cards, and uh, these cards can dictate your actions as well. And so the resource management and the variability that comes in the different cards of this game, all in addition to it being fairly quick, you know, even playing a 
four, five, six-player game can take about two hours if everyone knows the rules. And so I think this game is perfect for a weekday night to pull out and and play a Civilization-themed game with as much of the bang that you get in a really long Civilization game uh, as much as you can for your time. And this game is has just been a lot of fun for me to play, and I think about it a lot, and I really do enjoy Mosaic. And so that's my number seven. Uh, number six is going to be Le Havre. Uh, this game is the third in the Harvest trilogy uh, after Agricola and At the Gates of Loyang, or the second one, I should say, um, in between that and Loyang, Agricola and Loyang. Uh, this game is... You know, it's it's got a lot of resources. Uh, it's got a lot of different cards as well. But what this game does and what it, I feel like it makes it unique is that uh, there isn't a lot of worker... There isn't worker placement, essentially. You just have one boat, one worker, that you're either choosing to gather resources or activate, activate a building of your own or an opponent's. And despite the... And there are special buildings that are varied from game to game. And despite the limited amount of these buildings per game. The way that this game plays out every time feels very different. The spice that is added from those special buildings is enough to make the game feel different every time. It looks like this is a prototype version of it. But the, um, gosh, the, the yeah, just the way that it unfolds is really complex. And this game, I feel like, is one of the most uh, complex of Uwe Rosenberg's games to teach and to play right. And so if you haven't, haven't had the chance, I highly encourage you to play Le Havre, which is a very unique game uh, of his of his ilk. But number five for me is going to be Newsfeared. Uh, Newsfeared is a streamlined worker placement game that includes a wide variety of different building tiles, <clears throat> which make each game feel different. You're building these onto your tableau, and the way that you progress through the game can feel different from game to game based off of what combination of cards you have, as well as how they interact with your tableau, as well as how you utilize the elder actions, which are or cards, which give you unique actions that you can take throughout the game uh, for yourself. And so this game, for how quick it can play for like a medium to medium heavy weighted Euro game uh, it's just really unique and or at least feels unique to me and feels varied enough that I love coming back to it time and time again with lots of different decks and expansions to play with I'm really excited for the big box version of this game to come out with two new expansions glad that this game is supported but uh, I really do enjoy New Sphere a lot number four is going to be Arc Nova for me <clears throat> so Arc Nova is you know, the heavy hitter from 2021. It's a game, now that it is on Board Game Arena, as of this year, I have gone and played it uh, many times. I don't know how many, yeah, 30 already. And this game, despite it being, you know, having a really large deck of cards <clears throat> and a random market of cards that you're dealt with, there's a lot of deep strategy in how you adapt to that and build out your zoo. And so, in addition to it, having all the mechanisms that I enjoy with card-based, tableau building, etc., with a really streamlined action mecha- action selection mechanism that uh, just, it's, it's easy for me to play asynchronously, I feel, 
to come back and know exactly what I want to do with my turns because I just have to look at these actions, action cards and say, okay, I, I think I want to take this action. What can I do from there? And just the way that your decisions are presented to you turn by turn, I feel like makes this game comprehensible on the turn-to-turn basis. Uh, but as you start to put that together as a whole, there's a lot of depth to this game. And I think there's no no, uh, no assumption or uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that this game has been so well-received by the community as a whole, as it is the number one game played on Board Game Arena as well. And this game is just fantastic. I, I reviewed the Marine Worlds expansion, which was a hit as well for me and for many others as well. And so this game definitely deserves a spot on my top 10 list at number four. Oranian Burger Canal, though, was my favorite game from this year. And it does everything, or most everything that I love about Rosenberg games. It's got tableau building, uh, not just with with, uh, building cards, but also with these uh, path tiles that make the game feel different. Um, That creates an additional layer of a puzzle to solve on your turn. But the uh, card play of this game is very uh, wide, and there are so many different decks. It's very similar to games like Agricola and Newsfjord, with a ton of different cards that you can play from. And the streamlined uh, worker placement is very tight and it's very narrow, narrowed down to what you can do on your turn. And so this game is a little bit easier to, I think, grasp, but just hard enough to make it uh, strategically difficult with the cards and what what is available uh, to you each round and how you proceed to do, you know, to accomplish that is is great. The resource wheel, of course, is fantastic. And there's, uh, yeah, this, this game is underrated, I think. Um, I think this game, well, I, I guess it's not technically underrated, but it's not as widely received as it should be. I think this game, once it does come to the general populace of board gamers, I'm hoping that this game continues to elevate uh, in opinions around the around the board and so i yeah i love oranian burger canal but i think a game that it was kind of based off of uh took the number two spot for me and that's glass road glass road is one of the most unique games i've ever played when it comes to uh i guess euro games you've got your tableau building you've got tiles building tiles that you're playing onto a spatial puzzle You've got the resource wheel, of course, but the I think the meat of this game are the is how you take turns in this game. You you have a, a deck, a hand of fifteen cards, and you play five of them, or you choose five of them, and you play them somewhat simultaneously. And if other players play the same card or have the same card as you played in their hand, they have to play it as well, and you lose out on activating the whole card's effect, and you can only choose half of it. And so this game offers not only the Euro puzzle of resource management and tableau building, but also the opportunity to really get into your opponent's heads, try to predict what they might do uh, based off of what they have on their board as well as what is offered uh, amongst the buildings that are available. And it, it creates a very interactive game, as a socially interactive game in a Euro game, which is very, to me, unheard of. And so that 
is probably the main reason why I love I love Glass Road. It would be my number one game, I think, if I was able to play this more, and if I hadn't played this other game, which steered me down this path of Euro games and Rosenberg games. My number one game is Agricola. I'm not the best player of Agricola, but I still love playing Agricola every every time I get. This is the number one game that I would love to introduce to people uh, if they are in the mood and want to play a heavier Euro game. But this this game, and, and I've gone into many different podcasts uh, about why I love this game, so I won't belabor it here, but essentially you've got everything. You've got uh, card play that is reminiscent of it, <laughs> if I dare say, a trading card game. Uh, you've got the drafting ahead of time before that. Uh, you've got tableau building that is really um, spatially unique, and it offers something that you can really be proud of at the end of the game. Uh, worker placement that is, is is fantastically designed to ease you into what uh, each spot does as the game goes. It teaches you as you go. But as you know, this game, you start to understand where things start to pop up, and, and therefore the strategy really revolves around what is to come as and as well as what comes into your hand. Strategically, this game is one of the most uh, deeply played games. I think it's one of the most competitive games and lifestyle games amongst board games of all time. I include it in games like Terra for, or, yeah, Terraforming Mars, Terra Mystica, etc., where, um, yeah, this game has just been played thousands upon thousands of times by many other uh, folks who only play this game and don't play any other board game, basically, as, as far as I'm concerned. And um, and so for that nature, I, I love how competitive this game is uh, in the tournament scenes as well as just in and of itself. Uh, this game, and, it, and of course, this game is nostalgic for me because I loved the the coziness of I, I guess the appeal of this at first was how naturey and farming this game was it reminded me of some of my favorite video games other than like age of empires like more like you know harvest moon and things like that back in the day but i as soon as i started playing this game i realized how tough and tight it was and the ability to create something out of very little and to become good at this game has been the most rewarding thing that I have, uh, one of the most rewarding things that I have done in board gaming. Uh, I'm obviously not the best at this game, but uh, from where I am at this moment, I love what I've learned from this game and continue to play it uh, any chance that I get. And so, yeah, Agricola is is my number one and will continue to stay that for gameplay reasons, for the, the theme uh, the nostalgia, the the reminiscent that reminiscence that it offers me, uh, but yeah, everything about this game is is my gold standard of which I hold other games too. And as you listen to the channel and other uh, episodes of the podcast, you'll see that that is true for me. But um, I hope you know those who have stuck around to the end of this um, either share a similar love for Agricola and um, Rosenberg games as well. Or if not, and if you're just curious about what I like and enjoy, I'm grateful for you listening as well. My intentions for this channel and podcast was to um, essentially uh, analyze and and reflect on my experiences with board gaming, and in a sense, the the 
ability to podcast and to vocalize what my thoughts are have increased my enjoyment and the and the richness that I uh, get out of this hobby uh, for me is 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 how I enjoy it the most. And so um, and so primarily, I, I just look for like-minded people who enjoy the same games as I do to to comment with and to hopefully play a game or two online or something. And uh, and so that that is my goal with with this list and and with this channel and hope to connect with you even further as we explore old classics and the new ones to come as